Good morning, everybody. Glad to be in church. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us online. Hey, this was a big week in my life. I know some of you knew that, but my oldest, my daughter, had her first baby this week. It was amazing. Come on. And I know a lot of you ladies are like, where are the pictures? I don't have any pictures. Uh, just kidding. I've got the mic. I'm going to have pictures. So uh, we got some pictures. That's me and Debbie on the left there. That's our oldest, uh, Sage Elizabeth Liberty. Uh, Gibbs, uh, Liberty, because she was born on July 3rd. And then on the right there, that's uh, Lila Jane. Debbie's holding her. So um, was born on Monday. It was awesome. And so thank you guys for praying for us. It was a great blessing. What a great blessing it is to be part of a church family that celebrates things like that. Um, so thank you so much for that. Now, clearly, clearly, Brenna is not my granddaughter up here. So just wanted to say that. But I have a friend of mine, Brenna, is in our student ministry. And as we're in this series called Jonah, one of the things that we talked about is that Jonah went through a sort of baptism. And we're going to unpack a little bit of that today. But Brenna has a pretty cool story uh, as a high schooler um, that she just got baptized just about a month ago. huh? And it was a great story. And I just really want to invite her. Yeah, let's just give her a round of applause. So, Brenda, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Who, who are you? <laughs> uh, so, like Steven said, is this on? Can it's on. Cool. Yes. Um, my name is Brenna Everett, and I'm a junior at Cambridge High School. Go Cambridge. Yeah. Let's go. Go Bears. <laughs> um, high school, junior year is hard. I'm going to be honest. Everyone says it is, and it actually is very hard. The, and yeah, You have to go to class, actually. It, it counts um, now. Yeah, but I only go for four periods, really. I leave at 1230, yeah. so it's kind of nice. I used to do that, too, but it wasn't because I had permission. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> mm, okay. Ah, very good. Well, listen, you recently got baptized. Just tell us a little bit of your story and how that kind of happened and what it meant to you. Yeah, for sure. So um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I was baptized when I was probably like three or four months old. Uh, my family and I would go every Sunday. We did not miss one. And growing up, I knew of Jesus, but I didn't really know him. And I did the motions of praying before meals and thanking him for all the good things he'd given me. But I saw him as more as just like a random dude that floated in the sky than a personal lifelong friend. Um, my family and I moved here, summer going into freshman year, and I'm the oldest of four, mm. and Ansley and Campbell, my siblings, jumped right into Wake, and I was like, absolutely not, I don't want to be here. So I would drive them, and I'd go home, and then I'd come back, and then I'd go home. And looking back, I, y'all, Complete fool, complete fool, because Stone Creek has brought me some of my closest friends, and I'm here all the time, and I love everything about this place. Yeah. Um, this summer, we had the retreat called The Escape, and my siblings, again, were like, you got to come, you got to come. And I was already signed up for a lot of other things, and I was like, there's literally no way that I can come. But thanks to the generosity of our church, I actually got to go on a full scholarship, and The Escape changed my life, rocked my world, won't stop talking about it. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> It's fun. It's at the beach, but rocked my world. Uh, so ever since the summer, I realized I wanted my religion to become a relationship and my faith to become a friendship. And ever since the summer, I see the world in a whole new light. I feel joyful. I feel at peace in knowing that God has a plan for me, and all I have to do is trust his process. Um, one of the biggest things I've learned for sure throughout my whole faith journey is the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are going to continue to grow your faith and push you to grow your faith, and they continue to pour into you. One of my favorite verses is Romans 1.12, and it says that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And this has really been a rock for me, honestly. It's encouraged me to grow my faith and to be more like Jesus towards everyone I come in contact with. Uh, ever since this summer, I knew that I wanted to be rebaptized, but I wanted to wait till the right time. I wanted to wait until I felt like I knew more about my faith and that if anyone came to me with any faith question or question about the Bible, I could answer it on, on right there. But then I realized 
I may never be able to answer every question about my faith. <laughs> and you know what? That is totally okay because the cool thing about faith is that it's always growing and it is always getting stronger and there's never going to be a finish point for my faith. Once I realized that, I was like, hold on. I love Jesus way too much to not get rebaptized, so what am I doing? Um, and so I got rebaptized and it was the greatest decision I have ever made in my entire life. And I can't wait to see how he continues to use me to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Come on. Now you know why I wanted you to hear her story. Let's go. Awesome. You're great. Thank you so much. Hey, I hope y'all were mutually encouraged by this. Let's go. Let's give her a round of applause. Thanks, Brenna. So we are in this series on Jonah and the fact that, man, that God runs after runaways. This is what God does. And you heard a little bit of that in Brenna's story. as She drops her sisters off and goes back home. And as she tries to do her own thing, God was just continually coming after her in different ways. And eventually she began to, to follow God. And, and the truth is God doesn't run after runaways to ruin us. He, he runs after runaways to rewrite our story. Amen. Like God is after us to give us a second chance. Now, now we're in Jonah. Let me just kind of give you a, an update, get you up to speed really quickly on where we are in this story of this guy named Jonah. Now, in the very beginning of Jonah's story, what we see is that God comes to Jonah and he tells him to go to the city called Nineveh. Let's all say Nineveh together. Russia, sorry, Nineveh. Um, <laughs> and so he goes to Nineveh, a difficult place to go, very, very brutal. And so if you can imagine a place that, it, much like what we're experiencing today in the news, that bombs maternity shelters and bombs apartment buildings and bunkers that have the word children children written outside of it, just brutal um, mercenaries. This is Nineveh. And God tells Jonah to go there and, and, and to give them grace and to give them a word from the Lord. And Jonah doesn't just say no. Jonah goes the other direction. Listen, Jonah had reasons not to go before we were quick to judge him. Jonah had resources not to go. So Jonah buys a boat and a crew, and they go to this place called Tarshish, a place where you'd go on vacation. Think, think Bora Bora. <laughs> think a place of fun, a place of relaxation, a place with no responsibility. And while Jonah's in journey to where he thinks he's going to Tarshish, God throws a storm on the water. Jonah gets thrown overboard. He gets swallowed by this large fish, this whale, the sea monster. And for, th for three days, God keeps him alive in this environment. And Jonah turns his heart towards God and he prays. And then this fish spits Jonah back out on land. Now what? What's Jonah going to do? You see, Jonah got a second chance. Anybody here ever need a second chance? <laughs> Anybody ever here need to have part of their life rewritten? Anybody pick Kentucky to win their bracket? You need to start over. Anybody ever need a mulligan, a do-over? Like, this is the story of Jonah. Anybody ever say something they wish that they could take back, that they regretted saying? Anybody ever experience doing something you wish you wouldn't have done or not doing something you wish you would have done? And we've all been there. We've all needed opportunities for God to step in and to rewrite our story. And this is the story of Jonah. And this is your story. Listen, no matter what happens, God is always in the redempti redemption business. Amen? 
Like God is always restoring. God is always recreating. God is always making new. So for you today, I, I don't know what area of your life may need it. You may have an area of your life where you feel stuck. You may feel restless. You may feel like things aren't working. You may feel like you're trying really hard and all that happens is confusion. Listen, God is in the rewriting business today. So let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. I also want to invite you um, to read along with us throughout the week. We've been in reading plans over the last couple of weeks um, and from YouVersion. YouVersion is an app. It has revolutionized God's Word being translated across the world. You can download the app and you can scan that uh, QR code and you'll be taken to the Jonah 3 Bible reading plan. The first two weeks we had over 12,000 people read through these Jonah reading plans that we're reading through. So you can, you'll, you'll, you'll hit a landing page. You can subscribe. It's very easy. It's only going to cost you $400. No, I'm just kidding. It's free. Um, now some of you were like, okay, I'll do it. It's free. If it's free, it's for me. And so we'd love for you to do that. And so reading God's word is extremely powerful. And so we've been walking through Jonah, a very short part of the Bible. And we've gone through Jonah one, Jonah two. Today, we're going to be in Jonah chapter three. So let's read this together. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Then the the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Anybody ever have to be told to redo something? Anybody ever have to, like, uh, you didn't get that right the first time. Hey, I told you to pick up your dirty clothes. You should get those off the floor. So God comes to Jonah a second time, and he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. So so here we see Jonah spit back out on dry land, and and the word of God comes to Jonah a second time. Now, notice this isn't a new message. It's the same message. Jonah doesn't get to pick a different message. It's the same message. You see, God didn't change his message. God changed Jonah's heart. And this is the story of the gospel. There's so many times we want want to do over to do something new, but God wants to do the same thing that we'd already done. He just wants to do it now instead of not now. Because so many times we avoid accomplishing God's word and doing the things he's called us to do. We want to do something new, but God wants us to do the things that, that he's already called us to do. And we all need this in life. Man, we all have to be told many times to do certain things. You know, when you first uh, buy, when you buy your first house and, you know, you, you just forget to pay your mortgage one time and you get reminded to do it, don't you? And then it's going to happen. If you're a kid, when you were a kid, like, did you always clean your room the first time your parents told you to? Nope. Did you always not speed until you got that speeding ticket when you got your driver's license? Nope. And so we know what it's like to have to be repeated. And this is what God's doing. God says, listen, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to go to Nineveh. And I can, I, I'm sure Jonah's kind of like, oh, okay, this is better than the belly of a fish. But he's also got to be like, maybe just maybe it'll be something new. And see, God wants to change Jonah's heart. This is the story of the gospel. This is the story of the Bible. So many times what we think is God wants to change our behavior. That God just wants to snap us in line. God just wants us to get our act together. That God just wants us to follow the rules. But no, God wants to change our heart. And so Jonah gets a word from the Lord the second time, but we have a word from the Lord for all time, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Like we have a word of the Lord that continues to speak to us. If you were to flip over in Hebrews, and I'm going to read it for us, Hebrews um, chapter 1. 
Uh, just the first couple of verses in Hebrews chapter one, it says this, it says long ago and at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So this is what's happening in Jonah. Jonah is the prophet. God has told him to go speak to the Ninevites and he's going to speak to them. But he says that that's what he did back then. It says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through him, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe of the Lord by his power. If we could just get an image of that in our mind, that the word of the Lord is in Jesus, and he is the radiance of God, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. It changes how we live, and it changes our heart, and it changes the things that we should be about and things that motivate us, and the way we make decisions, and the way that we see the world, and the way that we love people, and the perspective we have on the news, and the way that we handle our money. It just transforms everything about us. This is the image of the invisible God, the everlasting Word of God, whose name is Jesus. Amen right there? And so, so what, what tends to happen like to me and to you is, you know, there, there are times when maybe we get in a situation and we don't do something we know we should do. And we're like, okay, I got swallowed by the fish. <clears throat> now I'm fine. Let's just start over. Like, don't send me to Nineveh. Send me somewhere else. Don't, don't, don't make me say that message. Give me another message, another message. Like we have this idea that if things could be different, I'll just do something different, but don't make me go back there. And what God is saying is, hey, when, when you get that right, then I can give you some more to do. When you get that right, yeah, then, then I can give you some more to do. But until you get that right, what you're saying is you're more important than I am. And that's not how this is going to roll. So, so think about this. Like there's so many things in life where like, oh God, just don't ask me to do that. I'll do anything else but that. And we don't want to do the thing God's already told us to do. Like God's already told us so much to do. And for some people, you may feel stuck. You may not know which direction to go. And there's a saying that we have around here, and it goes like this. Do what you know you should do, and God will show you what to do. Do what you know you should do, and God will show you what to do. Listen, what have you not done that you need to do? You should write this question down. Like, what have you not done? What, what have you not said? What have you not done that, that you know you should do? Well, let me just, let me give you some examples. I'm here to help, okay? Let me just give you some examples. Let's talk about baptism for a minute. Now, baptism, as Brenna was uh, explaining to us just a little bit, is this symbol that we have as people who follow Jesus, that once we make this decision to follow Jesus, we get baptized. And the word for baptized means to dunk. It's the word where we get our word shipwreck from. It means to go under the water and out of the water. Jesus himself was baptized. So obviously there's this ritual uh, imagery that we have of being baptized, of washing away the old so that we can have the new, right? And so when you go under the water, it's symbolic of kind of that old way of life, dying and then being raised to walk in a new way of life. And the point where that's to happen in our spiritual lives is after we made a decision to follow Jesus. Now, now, for some of you, maybe you, that happened to you as a kid, and it was awesome that your parents did that for you. Like, when I was a kid, I got baptized, uh, and I got dunked, and then I went to seminary. And I go to seminary, and I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't know if that was for me or not. I don't know if that was my decision or not. And so I got baptized in seminary, like, while I'm training to be a pastor. So you know the voices you get with that, right? Hey, dude. You're studying to be a pastor. You should already have this down. Like, you shouldn't get baptized. Like, like you don't, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. But then 
I got baptized. And as soon as I came out of the water, doves flew, trumpets sounded. It was an amazing experience. <laughs> That's not what happened, but I did feel a sense of God's uh, approval of me in that moment. And for some of you, that's what you need to do, right? You, you need to take that step of being baptized. You've, you've followed Jesus. You've made that decision over the last few months. But some of you are like, ooh, like my kids have been baptized and they don't know I haven't been baptized. Like, what a great example of humility as a parent to do that, right? Like, you know what your kids will do? They will respect you for that. Oh, I don't know what my friends would say. I know what they'll say. How can I get some of that? I've never talked to anybody who got baptized. It's like, ooh, worst decision of my life. <laughs> Wish I wouldn't have done that. So after service, if you want to get baptized, and I know many of you will, you can go right back to I raise my hand. Uh, and, and I just happen to notice we have the baptistry out over here just kind of as an image here for us to know. When you go, we're going to tell you everything that will happen. It is very simple. It is not complicated. Okay, so if you will, just go back there. So one thing, maybe you haven't done, you know you need to do. God's knocking on your door. Baptize. Hey, another one generosity. Let me get up in your business right now. <laughs> like, you know, people, when you start talking about people's money, it gets a little weird. And like, we just, you know, took up an offering for Ukraine. And because we just believe that, that we can, that God wants us as a church to give. He wants us as people to give. And you know that God's kind of asked you to step in to being more generous. You know that. Be like, oh, I don't know how that could work. I'm not sure. What do I do? How does that work? And you know, that's a step and it's actually holding you back. And guess what has control of you? Your money. Because when we give, guess what we're saying? You don't control me. God does. And God has this way of blessing us. I honestly believe that part of my mom was so generous and my mom didn't have anything. And I honestly believe that her generosity financially was uh, able, kept, God kept her alive long enough to see her great-grandchildren being born. That's the blessing that my mom got out of being generous. And so I can promise you, man, when you, when you make that decision to give, and God has a way of filling the gaps. And when you hold on, guess what? And you just wither away to this really small, small life. What about forgiveness? That's another one. And we don't like to do that. I was right. They were wrong. That hurt was deep. And in the end, who are we holding back? We're holding ourselves back. We're not holding the other person back. And God's called us to be a forgiving people. And what have you not done? that you need to do. Love people, greatest commandment. We love other people the way we love ourselves. Man, what, what have you not done? Where are you waiting for God to show up and he's already showed you what you need to do? Listen, if you want God to rewrite your story, you're gonna have to do the things you already know you should do. Is that good? All right, let's keep moving. Um, Cause I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Anybody got that? Um, all right, so as we continue on in Jonah chapter 3, one of the things that God tells him after he says the word came the second time, he says, he says arise or get up. Okay, he's like, get up, go to Nineveh, because he's obviously laying down because he got spit out by a fish. And so he says, arise and get up. Now, this word means to establish yourself. And so you need to believe in who God created you to be. You need to believe in who God created you to be. Like, this is what it's going to take for God to rewrite your story. You will never act outside of who you believe that you are. You need to believe who God created you to be. Listen, God has created you with value. He's created you with worth. He's created you with dignity. And he's proven it by sending his son Jesus to die for you. Now, I know there's this fine line in here. 
because we're, we're not enough ourselves. That, again, believe in who God created you to be, not who you're smart enough to be, not who you're strong enough to be, not who you're beautiful enough to be, not who you're uh, you know, uh, skeptical enough to be. Like, who is it that God's created you to be? You have to believe in that. Like, watch in Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 8, David's writing about this worth of, of God's created being. He says this, he says, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Like, who are we that you would create us? You, you think about us, you know our, the hairs on our head, you know every thought that we have before we even have it. You know when we stand up, you know when we sit down, you know when we lie down, you know when we go to bed, you know when we go to work. Like, you think about us, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have, been, you have crowned him with glory and honor. Listen, your creation was your coronation to a new life. Like you've been crowned with glory and honor. He goes on to say, you have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And so we have this worth and we have this value that God has given us to live out of. And until we begin to believe in God's work in us, it's not a statement. It's not a belief about us. It's a belief about God. Like, let's be clear on that. When we don't believe God can do something with us, what we're saying is we don't believe in God. We don't believe that God's strong enough, that he's powerful enough, that God cares enough. Listen, God isn't doing you any favors by creating you to be somebody. It's who God is. He can't not do that. And so we need to have the faith that God wants to do something great in our lives. Listen, God's not rolling his eyes at us like, can't believe they did that. (laughs) When are they... When are they ever going to get the picture? Like, that's not how this works. All heroes of the faith, they all got a second chance. I mean, we remember the great stories of the heroes of the faith. Sometimes we forget their failures. And you look at this guy named Abraham. Abraham was the founder of the Jewish nation. The modern nation of Israel was founded by Abraham thousands of years ago. Abraham is walking with his family through a city on a journey. And he's afraid that his wife is so beautiful, he's afraid the king is going to want to marry her and kill him. So he's like, goes to the king, he's like, yeah, I'm not married to her, that's my sister. You heard this story? Anybody here ever tried that? Can you imagine? That is very poor marriage advice. But we don't remember that about Abraham. He is the father of the Jewish nation. Moses, for crying out loud. Like Moses kills an Egyptian soldier before he's supposed to. He he finds himself wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and God says, hey, go let my people go. Tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses is like, not me. I can't even talk good, Lord. And, And matter of fact, who are you? We don't remember all that about Moses. We remember what? The prince of Egypt parting the Red Sea. Got a second chance. What about King David? Like, like David that Jesus came from, David who killed Goliath, David who slept with his best friend's wife and then had his best friend murdered, we, don't, we, we tend to not remember that part. We remember the good. What about Peter? People love Peter, don't we? Because Peter was the guy that always put his foot in his mouth or ne- and never used a filter, and yet God used him. You know, Peter denies Jesus three times, not once, not twice, but three times. Peter preaches a sermon in the early church, and it says 3,000 people got saved. Listen, every pastor in the world prays that every Sunday morning right there. We all know the win. We know what Peter did. We don't remember the fact that he denied Jesus three times. His story got rewritten. Paul, 
Paul wrote most of the New Testament, the greatest missionary in the Bible. Paul, when we first see him in the Bible, you know what he was doing? He was killing Christians. Yeah, we remember him as the greatest missionary in history, man. Listen, God is going to take your failure. God is going to take, give you and rewrite your story. But you have to believe in who God created you to be. You have to believe that he has the power to do that. You have to believe that God wants to do that. And his track record is really, really clear that this is his plan for us, that God is running after runaways. Now, as we, as we keep on, it says, get up. And then the next thing, uh, the next thing, the next word that's used there, he says, get up, go to Nineveh. And then he says, call out against it the message that I will tell you. And now the word for call out here means to become famous. So what he's telling Jonah is, I want you to be famous for the words that I'm going to tell you. Like, I, I want you to be famous for the words that I will tell you. Hey, what does our culture say to be famous about? What does our culture say the pathway to fame, the pathway to being known is? David Brooks wrote a book called The Road to Character. It's a great book. Everybody should read it. But, but in this book, he points out two different uh, ways that we're, we, we build our lives. Like one is called resume virtues and one is called eulogy virtues. So think about that for a minute. I think we get what resume virtues are, don't we? Resume virtues are those virtues that are going to get us, uh, going to get us value, going to get us patted on the back, going to get people to notice us, that we can obviously put on our resume so that people will see our accomplishments, so they'll hire us, or so they'll admit us to their college, whatever it is. We have these resume virtues. And what has happened is that we have gotten really good at creating a career, but inept at cultivating character. And let's say this again. We've become amazing at learning how to create a career, learning the skills, networking, the people to go to, the places, the, the, the education that we need. We've become really good at that. But we've become inept at learning how to cultivate character or the eulogy virtues. You know, when we think about eulogy virtues, clearly we're going to think about what people are going to say about you when you die at your funeral. You know, what, what they're going to say over you. But, but it's, it's, it's more than that. Because eulogy virtues are actually being talked about now. So what is it that people say about us like when we leave the room or when they see our number, our name come up on caller ID or when, when maybe at work, when we call to have a meeting with them, what, what are they, what are the expectations that are going to happen? Like what, what are these character traits that people know about us, our integrity, our kindness, our ability to be able to, to, to transcend what's good for us and to, tra and to translate what's good for everybody else? Like one of the big problems in our country right now is we have too many people who are out for themselves and not looking out for the greater good. Like we have new, too many people who want to be in the headlines and, and don't really want to help. And what we need to be about is character virtues. Listen, God wants to do more than edit your resume. He wants to rewrite your character. He wants to change who you are. He wants your character to be rock solid, a source of stability and confidence that when people have a question, they will call you. When people have a hurt, they'll give you the, you'll be their first call. When people want to know what to do, when people want to look at a life and they want to imitate it, he wants that to be you. The character virtues. Let me ask you this. How are you known? How are you known? Like as you answer this question, what do people say about you? What, what do you think people say about you? Man, what do they talk about when you leave the room? If you don't really know, you should ask a friend. If you can't find a friend, ask your spouse. 
That's a joke right there. Y'all missed it because that was a heavy moment. I just wanted to lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> ask your spouse if you're married. Not everybody's married. Listen, just ask somebody, but, but how do you think you're known? And if you're not known the way you want to be, how do you want to be known? Have you ever even thought about that? And Jonah became famous for what? For the word of God. So Jonah, he went back and did the first thing he was supposed to do. That's how God begins to rewrite your story. And Jonah, Jonah believed in who God had created him to be. That's the second thing. If you want to know how God's going to rewrite your story. The third thing is become, become famous. Become famous for having godly character. Now watch what happens when Jonah leans into this mission. In verse 4 it says this. As Jonah began to go into the city... And he went a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Like how many times do we not say what we think God wants us to say because we're not sure people will believe? It says the people from Nineveh believed God. And they called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he rose from his throne. He removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and he sat in ashes. Now that seems weird to us. That was a symbol of mourning in that culture, a symbol of repentance in that culture. So that's what the king did. He said he issued a proclamation and he published it throughout all of Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to our God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So what the king does, he's like, put the flags at half mast, close the schools, close the post office. This is a national day of mourning. We are shutting this thing down. Like, can you imagine that happening? No. <laughs> um, and this is what the king of Nineveh does. He shuts everything down. Listen, the reality is when, when God's word shows up, stories get rewritten. When God's word shows up, stories get re, 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 rewritten. Now, Jonah literally had a five-word sermon. How, how cool would that be? Just five words. Would y'all really like that on a Sunday? Five words? Five words. Somebody said yes. Uh, I hate you. Um, <laughs> oh, I repent. I'm not supposed to do that. Uh, <laughs> Five words. Now, there's a couple of reasons why it could have been so short. Number one, it could have been this is just a summary of everything that Jonah said, and this is just how it got recorded. Number two, it could have been this is all God said, told Jonah to tell. And number three, it could have been Jonah was just going to do the bare minimum. Anybody ever done that in school? You needed a D plus, and that's what you got, you know. And sometimes that happens, but God's word is so powerful, it doesn't matter. And when God's word shows up, stories get rewritten. Now, we, the power of God's word is something that we believe in, of course. And it's not because it's written down in a book with some pages and some ink. It's because they're the very words of God. That God said them so they would change our heart. It would transform our lives. And we study God's word so it will study us. We interpret God's word so it will interpret our lives. Man, we center God's word so that it will examine us. It will sift through our hearts and our motives and our actions and show us areas where we're not running towards God, where we're running away from God. Man, this is the power of God's word. And when God's word shows up, stories get rewritten. You know, one thing I love about this is that Jonah doesn't just stay on the edge of the city and the gate. Like Jonah goes all the way in a full day's journey. And Jonah gets his, he gets, his, he gets his fingers dirty, man. He gets into it. He smells what they're cooking. He listens to what they love. He's he sees what they're distracted by. 
And Jonah gets in the weeds with the people to understand. Reminds me a lot of St. Patrick. You know, we celebrated St. Patrick's Day this last week. And I think one of the lessons we can learn from St. Patrick is, you know, St. Patrick was one who was born in Britain. He's kidnapped as a teenager and he's taken to Ireland. And while he's there, he stays out in the countryside alone as a shepherd. He's subjected to the elements. He's left in hunger. He doesn't always have enough to eat. He doesn't always have enough to wear. And while he's out there all by himself, God shows up. God rescues St. Patrick. And Patrick goes back home and he wants to study to be a priest. But then God gives him a different vision. He wants him to go back to Ireland. He wants him to go back to that place that had mistreated him, had abused him, had taken advantage of him. And Patrick gets his heartbeat for Ireland. And that's where he goes. And Patrick just moves into the cities. He moves into the villages because he knows what they need. He begins to mediate disputes. He begins to make friends with leaders and others. And one by one, the nation of Ireland becomes converted and actually becomes a beachhead for the gospel in that time period in history. And this is what God's called us to do. Like your story is rewritten, not so you can have a good ending to your story, but so someone else can have a good ending to theirs. And God has put us in our neighborhoods and our places of business. He's put us in on T-ball teams and lacrosse teams. God has put us in so many places so that we can have impact and influence because we carry God's word. We carry Jesus with us. We are God's strategy for people. Now, now what happens when God's word shows up is this thing called repent. So when God's word shows up, people turn. They change directions. It's a little like this. I was coming back from Florida uh, on Thursday where my daughter lived. And so I was coming back from all the festivities. And as I'm driving back, I have Google Maps. And Google Maps tells me, hey, we found a faster route. Would you like to take it? Yes, I want to take that route. This is the Bible. This is God's word. You're going this direction. We've got a better, we've got a better direction for you. And so what happens, we turn and we go that direction. We say yes to that. It's a little changing of our mind that we're going to leave some things behind to go to the new things that God has for us. Let me ask you this. In what areas of your life do you need to change your mind? In what areas of your life are you holding on to? In what areas of your life are you saying, I got this? In what areas of your life do you feel like if you let go of them, your life will spiral out of control? Like in what areas of your life do you need to change your mind? This is what the people of Nineveh did. This is what Jonah did. And this is how we see this movement of God break out in the life of the Ninevites. Now watch the last verse in this chapter because it's the best one. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 says this. is when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So God sees that they turned, and the option was already on the table. If you turn, I will not destroy you. And they turned, so God didn't. Now, what they deserved was judgment. And here's what judgment is. Judgment is getting what I deserve. I commit a crime. I commit an offense. I do something wrong, there are consequences. That's judgment. And we all deserve judgment. Now, what, what they got was mercy. 
Instead of getting punishment, they didn't get punishment. So what mercy is, is not getting what I deserve. And so they receive mercy. Don't, don't we all need a little mercy? In a lot of ways, in a lot of areas of our life. But don't forget, Jesus is the greater Jonah. How is Jesus greater than mercy? It's called grace. Judgment is getting what I deserve. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. Forgiveness, redemption, a story that gets rewritten. Jesus is the greater Jonah. Now let me close with a very simple message from the Bible. Jonah gave a simple message. And there's, there's a verse in the Bible that we all know. It's the cliff notes of the Bible. And Jesus said it. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then, and then notice, it doesn't stop there. It says God didn't send his, wor- his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God wants to rewrite your story today in every area, in every way possible. God's a God of redemption. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God of starting over. And God's word has showed up to you today. Are you going to turn? Let's pray together. So just in the stillness of the moment, there's some questions that I've thrown, thrown around. One of them being, hey, what have, what have you not done you know you should do? What have you not done you know you should do? And for some people, that, that means following Jesus for the first time. It means saying yes. It means turning from selfishness, from insecurity, anxiety, uh, control, all those things. It means turning from that and following Jesus today. And I just want to help you do that. You know, the Bible teaches that when we take that step to follow Jesus, he tr- He transforms our heart. And it happens just by our our commitment to trust God and to follow him. And if that's you today, I'm just going to lead you in a brief prayer. It's one that hundreds of people, thousands of people in our church have prayed over the years and one that continues to change lives today. And if that's you today, I just want you to pray after me. Dear God, I've run away. I believe you died to forgive me of my sins. I turn to you. Thank you. You know, when the Bible says that if you did that immediately, you have a new heart, you have new motivations, you're going to see the world differently. It's a big day. It's the biggest day of your life. And so I want to help you with that. And I just want to help you mark the moment. So on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand in the air and just make eye contact with me. If that was you, if you prayed that, everybody's got their heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking around except for me. So I'm just going to count to three and just say, if that's you, just slip your hand in the air. One two, three. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Let's go. Come on. All over the room. Let's go. Thank you, Lord. God's word does not return void. Hey, for some of you, there's another step you need to take. Amen. I got you. There's another step you need to take, and you know what that is. For some of you, it's baptism today. I mean, I just want to put a hard call on today. I believe it could be the second greatest decision of your life. It could, it could release some things that's been holding back in you, that you've been holding back on God, and he wants to just unleash his grace and mercy over you just through the act of baptism. 
So if today, if, if you want to make that step to get baptized next week, if that's your commitment today, I'm just going to invite you to do the same thing. I'm going to count to three and just ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. Hey, God, we're grateful, man, that you love us, that we do things uh, because you asked us to. And God, that when we don't, you come back for us that you redeem us and restore us and rewrite our story. So God, I just ask for those today as you've moved in their hearts in whatever area, Lord, maybe it's in a relationship they need to rebuild. There's been a person they know they needed to talk to and they haven't done it, God. And they know that today is today. God, for people who know that they need to be generous and they've held on and been afraid of not having enough, that God, today's the day they just let go. God, for people today who've just made this commitment to be baptized, this commitment to follow you, Lord, thank you for new life. Lord, I'm grateful to be part of a church uh, that we're just as so transformation-centered, God, that we're driven by discipleship and we're centered on Jesus, but we want to see you change lives. Thank you for letting us be a part of that. We just pray these things in Jesus' name.